0: Hello friends, and welcome to The Final Threshold, a voice of those crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord and to make his pathway straight. Here at The Final Threshold, we proclaim the true message of the kingdom in preparation for Messiah's second coming events. My name is Chadwick Harvey, and I welcome you. Today we have a very special guest, Riley O'Berry, who is a great friend and a great brother of mine. We will be discussing the imperative topic of discipleship as he is a fisherman himself in South Georgia. We find this command in Matthew 28, which Yeshua commands us to go and make people from all nations into disciples, immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that He has commanded us. So friends, we will be discussing this crucial topic as it is essential for the season that we are living in. Friends, at this moment, I'd like to bring our
1: special guest on, Riley O'Berry. Hi, Riley. How you doing? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? We're doing great. I really appreciate you joining us today on this important topic uh, that I mentioned in the introduction, uh, the Great Commission. And I really appreciate you joining us. And I guess we'll just jump right into it, if you will, on how the Lord led you to discipleship and really... Uh, Doing your part on the Great Commission.
2: One-on-one discipleship started with me. It's kind of it's a a real funny story because I had just recently graduated seminary with my master's degree, and a good friend of mine that I had went on the walk to Emmaus with. I just happened to run into him one day, and he just asked if I would be interested in doing one-on-one discipleship with him. Now in my mind, I'm thinking, bless his heart. You know, here I am with a master's degree from seminary, and he's asking me to do discipleship with him. And that was kind of my mindset at the beginning. And lo and behold to me, the first day we met, and uh, he explained discipleship. And after the very first meeting, it just, the transformation of my entire marriage off of one question that happened on the first night of discipleship, 12 years ago, it's something my wife and I still faithfully put into practice today. So as we started discipling, and as I said, my mindset was, I'm here to help him. That was my mindset. I'm, I'm the one with the degree. I'm here to help him. And he just opens up to First John and reads straight out of the Bible and simply asks the question, what do I hear? And the whole time I'm thinking in my mind in seminary, no offense to my seminary, they were great, learned a lot taught me a lot but I could not figure out the simplicity of what we were doing by him asking me what am I hearing the power that it carried with that simple simple question so my first night of one-on-one discipleship we make it through the first chapter of first John and he just is constantly I'm reading straight out of the Bible he would stop me and just ask what do I hear and it was tough. It was tough. And uh, I thought I had all the right answers, but what I started finding out is, man, I didn't, I didn't know the real answers. I didn't, I didn't know who I was in Him, and I really didn't fully understand who He is in me. So He, he gave me homework to God with me on the first night, and uh, the homework that He gave me was a simple question. And it was to go home and ask my wife, as your husband, am I meeting your needs? So when he gave me that question, the first thought that came to my mind was, man, I got this. Really? That's the homework? So then I got in my truck and started driving home, and that question just marinated on my mind. I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And then, of course, I started thinking, man, how's she going to answer this? I've never asked her a question like this before. And then by the time I got home, to be honest with you, I chickened out. I mean, I lost the nerve to even ask her a simple question like that. But it would not. I had no peace. I had no peace whatsoever with that question just marinating on my mind. And we're laying in bed that night, and my wife's name is Margaret, and I said, I need to ask you a question. And she I, I guess you just tell the seriousness of my voice. And she kind of sat up in bed. And she goes, okay, what is it? And I kid you not, Chad, I said it this fast. As your husband, am I meeting your needs? (laughs) I literally said it that fast, scared to death how she was going to respond. And she looked at me and she goes, what did you say? So I just slowed down and kind of gathered myself and said, as your husband, am I meeting your needs? And man, the crocodile tears started falling down. And my first thought was, sweet, Jesus is worse than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) and then she looked at me and she said that's the sweetest thing you have ever asked me and that night off that one question our marriage just dramatically changed and transformed that was 12 years ago and until this day every week me and her both still ask each other that same question i'll ask her of course as your husband am i meeting your needs and now my wife would turn around and ask me, as your wife, am I meeting your needs? And that's how I got introduced to
1: one-on-one discipleship. So it was about a 12-year journey uh, that you've been on thus far. Is that correct? And, that is and, correct. And you, well, 12 you, years. And before that, you were a state patrolman, right? You were a Georgia state patrolman. Uh, what, what led you from... Uh, being a Georgia State Patrol uh, was that the the call that you received uh, what you just mentioned or how did you uh, transfer from being a state trooper to uh, your calling that you're doing today
2: I was actually a narcotics investigator and uh, working undercover and uh, something happened in my law enforcement career that I could not quite figure out and that's when I went on the walk to Emmaus and I spent uh, just a weekend of hearing five talks a day, and uh, just being in fellowship with godly men, and really seeing what it sounded and what it looked like to be around godly men, and it really just got me to thinking, and when I got back from the weekend, for whatever reason, I could not figure it out, everything happened just back to back, and the first thing that happened was I lost my peace in law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement probably 18, 19 years at this time and just lost. I had no peace, no rhyme, no reason. I had no peace. And it was right at that time, the guy that I explained earlier, who was on the walk to Emmaus with me, that's when he came to me and asked if I wanted to disciple one-on-one. And my last year of law enforcement, I had thought about seminary, didn't know why, just I just needed to understand God's word my way. And the only way I knew then was I kept hearing the word seminary. So I started online courses and just, you know, I I didn't stop. So by the time I met with him and by the time of my, the end of my law enforcement career and losing my peace in law enforcement, I had obtained my master's and he walked into my life and mentioned the word discipleship. And, uh, Oh, has it been a journey in the beginning? Um, In the beginning, after my first night of one-on-one discipleship and uh, asking my wife that question the very next day, I just thought to myself, if discipleship on the first night has done me this way, it will do every man like this. And who am I to keep this to myself? And... Be careful, you know, the, the saying, be careful what you pray for. And I said, Lord, you know, if this is, if, if this is where I'm supposed to go for you, here I am. And this passion, I, I, I don't even know if the right word is passion or desire or whatever. If there's a word deeper than that, that's what just started inside of me, that I just needed to gain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding on how to multiply and make disciples how to take what the first night of discipleship did for me and pour it into each and every man that walks into my life because I knew from then on it was only going to get better in my own personal discipleship with my discipler. And of course he started teaching me as discipleship started going on, he started teaching me, you know, how to multiply and encouraging me to multiply and giving me the confidence to do that. And, uh, my faith grew in leaps and bounds, and uh, one night I just had a dream, and uh, in the dream, you know, it's one of those dreams where it's so vivid and it's so real, and all I could hear was, count the cost, count the cost. But at the same time, I there was no fear in me hearing that question over and over. There was just absolutely no fear. I didn't understand it. I just, there was no fear in me. And when I told my wife what I was hearing and what I was about to do, her faith was not quite where mine was at the time. (laughs) Margaret didn't quite understand what God was, you know, calling me to do for him. And uh, in the beginning, it was tough. It was tough. And it was tough for me as a husband because I didn't know at the time how to pour wisdom into my wife and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, I got her. I got her. You let me have her. You just lead, she will follow. You just lead, she will follow. And to make a long story short, that's exactly what has happened, you know, 12 years later. You know, but at the beginning, I had to count the cost, which meant I had to walk away from everything, anything that I knew as security. Um, And it made me realize the idols, to be honest with you, that I had in my life, as far as security and being really just like one of Jesus's disciples, these men, you know, they were doing what they knew to do that provided them security and they just dropped it and started following. Him. And in a way, I guess I did the same thing looking back now and I just had absolute peace. I didn't know how I was going to make a living. I had no idea how I was going to provide for my family. I had no idea and uh thank goodness for the fisherman house what we call disciple houses is uh, a fisherman there was a group of men who who recognized what i was going through because they themselves have, have have went through it and god surrounded those godly men around me and they poured into me each week along with my discipler and before i knew it i had my first you know disciple and I tell my disciples all the time, brother, I just hold on and enjoy the ride.
1: It's just uh it has been an amazing, still is an amazing ride. Amen. Amen. Well, I love what you're doing down there, and it goes back, friends, to what we were speaking back in the introduction about the great commission that's mentioned in Matthew twenty eight, that the first command was to go make disciples and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit, and also teach them all the things that messiah uh, yeshua has commanded us Uh, we're with riley o'berry riley could you tell us the importance of discipleship Uh, some of the listeners may listen to what is discipleship what does it look like Uh, you've mentioned uh, first john Uh, could you carry us through the importance of discipleship as it's mentioned in the great commission in matthew 28 also in mark uh, 16 as well Uh, Could you kind of give us the process of it? What does it look like? What is discipleship? How you go at it? I know that's a lot of questions to throw at you, but could you carry us on a journey of discipleship? Like if I came to you and wanted to, uh, you know, you to disciple me, so to speak, could you tell us what that looks like?
2: I'd be honored to. You know, in in Matthew uh, 28, 19, in the Hebrew Bible that I disciple out of, it says, Therefore, go and make people from all nations into disciples immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And that is the, the backbone of one-on-one discipleship. That is the Bible becoming, God's Word becoming a reality to my disciples. And we start in First John and we have a pattern. And uh, I personally believe that you know, when I'm studying the word of God, I look for patterns because there's prophecy in God's patterns. And we we have a pattern that we use, which is first John, Second Peter, First Peter, and the book of James. And in 1 John, the pattern that's in that book is in him. In him. But this pattern also teaches us to read into the word. In one on one discipleship, it's not just about reading over the word, but it's about reading into the word. For example, the, the little word in First John, if. And that little word is all through First John, but it gives me an opportunity to teach my disciples how to read into the word that every time we see the word if in the Bible, it means choice. And in First John, it gives me a chance to start teaching my disciples that the Bible is written to them. So I start teaching them to read it just like it's written to them. And that's when the reality of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit really, really starts to manifest in one-on-one discipleship is when that disciple starts reading 1 John just like it's reading to him because 1 John's not an easy book when you read it like it's written to you. You kind of give an example, and I'm just going to read out the first, uh, first chapter in, uh, in verse 8, and I'm going to read it like it's written to me, but I'll read it like it's written in the Bible first. It says, if we claim not to have sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if I read it like it's written to me, I would read it like this. If I claim not to have sin, I am deceiving myself, and the truth is not in me. And now I ask myself that question, what do I hear? So now I just made the reality of God's word one-on-one with me, and in one-on-one discipleship with our pattern, when we get to 2 Peter, 2 Peter starts off that we have the power to live that First John life. And 1 Peter teaches us about the Christian life, how to live the Christian life. And the book of James is all about our attitude towards our struggles. So when that disciple walks in and we start in 1 John, just reading straight out of the Bible, no matter what translated Bible they have, and we start reading into the word, I get excited because I start to see a word that has become so powerful in my life, and that's the word covenant. So with my disciples, I start to see the word covenant to start being established in these men. And to me, the word covenant in the Bible means transformation. So just in First John, I get so excited with that disciple because I know that I'm about to see his transformation. And it could be a transformation of him being freed from some type of addiction, a restoration of marriage. Um, it could be anything that is going on in that man's life that where his circumstances has given him his identity. So in one-on-one discipleship, it comes down to two questions that we ask ourselves. Am I going to let what I do determine who I am? Or am I going to let who I am determine what I do? And with my disciples, they're just like me, and I remind them of this all the time, that I'm not any I'm not better than them. I'm no super saint. I am them. So the Spirit's given me the wisdom to disciple these men and give me the wisdom to teach in a way that I'm teaching teachers, that these men, just like me, the revelation's going to hit them. Who am I to keep this to myself? But I want them to leave here. With the confidence that they can sit down with a man one on one and the simplicity of the power of one on one discipleship of reading straight out the Bible, teaching men to read it like it's written to them because it is, and teaching them how to read into the Word. And I have story after story of transformations that to this day, literally, it's just, it's even hard to explain because it's so supernatural of things that I've been allowed to witness by my Father in heaven through the power of the name of Jesus Christ and watch the Holy Spirit just indwell these men and watch a radical transformation happen right in front of my eyes in a little old disciple house with just a table and two chairs in the room.
1: Well, I think that's totally amazing. And it goes back into Mark's account uh, of the Great Commission, you know, that uh, these things will follow you, you know, talking about driving out demons, speaking with new tongues, not, oh, yeah. injured, you know, all of these things that you know better than anybody, heal the sick, if you will. So, uh, what you're doing and what you're saying from what I hear is it's kind of like you get, uh, it's kind of like I can speak for myself whenever I'm reviewing prophecies and things. I probably learn just as much as anybody because you're really you know you know, talking about these things with people like yourself we've had discussions about prophecy and things and i learned so much from other people it's a two-way street you know, exactly you know like you say you're teaching these uh folks and you're reading first john and peter and and all of the pattern that you guys go on but you're still getting the same kind of wisdom and knowledge as they are because it just manifests within you as well when you're speaking with them if that is, if that works so uh, i think it's totally uh, awesome what you're doing and Is there a difference between uh, discipling a believer and a non-believer? With my discipleship, I I, I remind them all the
2: time because it's a great reminder for myself that I can only carry a man as far as I'm willing to go. So I've never stopped being discipled. After 12 years, I still seek one-on-one discipleship for myself. And uh, the Lord can work in some very, very mysterious ways off that question. Is there a difference? So that's a great question between a believer and an unbeliever. And I've had men to come in and, uh, as we're getting to know each other on that first day, we just basically just ask each other simple questions, you know, uh, where were you, where were you born? You know, where were you raised? You know, are you married? How many kids you got? And then we get into three questions. And the first question I ask is, you know, are you a Christian? You know, and, uh, Most men who profess to be a Christian, of course, they'll answer, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I'll turn around and ask them, how do you know? And that's when the look on the face kind of changes a little bit, because that's just a question that we normally don't ask each other. I mean, to be honest, if we're just being honest, here in the South, how we answer that question here in the South is, well, do you know if Riley goes to church? Yeah, he goes to church. Well, he's a Christian then. (laughs) But we won't ask each other a personal question. How do you know that you're a Christian? Do you even know what the word Christian means? And what it looked like. So early on in one-on-one discipleship, I I started running into men who were struggling, really struggling with not knowing whether they were a believer or not a believer. And the beauty and the power of one-on-one discipleship is to watch that man's belief, who God says he is and who God says that he is, Watch that get established, but I've also witnessed men who came in, you know, professing they were a believer, only to realize through the Word, and it's the Word doing the uncovering, not me, that they're that they're not a believer. And then over time, I started, I got my first atheist. (laughs) I had a disciple, I was discipling one time, and uh, he had a coworker that was an atheist, and the atheist wanted to meet me. And I'm an equal opportunity to disciple, brother, you know, and, uh, I invited him to the disciple house and, you know, he sat down with me and, oh, very, very highly intelligent, you know, man. And he wanted to prove to me that the book that I was discipling out of was nothing more than a fairy tale. And I thought, well, this ought to be fun. And I let him go through his little spiel. And we have an old piano that sits in our disciple house and, uh, He was kind of sitting close to it and I looked at him and I said, is that piano that you're sitting by, is it real? And he goes, well, yeah. I said, well, how do you know it's real? He said, well, I can see it. I said, well, would you agree with me that that piano didn't just magically appear as we've been sitting in here? And he goes, no. He goes, I'll agree with that. He goes, it was here right when I got here. It's been here the whole time. I said, so then would you also agree with me that that piano, it had to have a creator? And he goes, yeah. I said, have you ever met its creator?
1: And he just stopped. He wouldn't answer it. And he looked at me, and he goes, how do you answer that? And I said, what if I tell you that you
2: are the answer, that you are created in his image, that me and you fellowshiping right now, even though God don't need us to, but us choosing the fellowship right now, you as an atheist, unbeliever, and me as a believer, we're establishing his reality. And he accepted Jesus that day. Amen. And, you know, it's uh, I don't change, I guess, the the wisdom that the Spirit and how the Spirit leads me is I treat everybody. I don't show any favoritism, I guess. I just treat everybody equally and, you know, I had two Muslims that uh, were waiting on me one day in the back parking lot of the disciple house. And uh, they didn't realize that this was a disciple house, and they were just basically out passing out their literature. And it was two brothers, and uh, I just, you know, God's a long time God. Longtime God uh, I just had to pull in, and, you know, they were standing there and got out and introduced myself, and very cordial to one another, and they explained who they were and what they were doing. And um, to make a long story short, you know, I asked them, I said, well, I said, how about y'all disciple me 30 minutes out of the Koran and y'all allow me 30 minutes to disciple you out of the Bible? And they agreed. I was shocked, but they agreed to it. And both the brothers, after two times of meeting one-on-one, they became believers in Yahshua.
1: Amen. Totally amazing. So to, to answer your question, you know, it's
2: I don't believe there for me, there's not a difference because I see everybody equally and that, you know, the world might say, oh, I'm just being naive. But, you know, Jesus died for everybody. And that's kind of my, my, my eyes, whether you claim to be an unbeliever or a believer, especially my unbeliever, it don't change that Jesus, Yahshua still suffered, died and rose on the third day for this unbeliever. You know, and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm a witness to it. So when I have an unbeliever, to be honest with you, I get excited. Because I've yet to have an unbeliever, you know, not walk out the same way he walked in. All of them have not, you know, believed in in Yahshua, but they, they didn't walk out of here the same way they walked in. And that is a testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit for me is I want to be able to look at every man no matter what denomination you claim, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, and look at you upon the way God looks at me through the blood of Jesus, you know, and have mercy and compassion.
1: So it's it's equal in my eyes, Chad. You know, it's just I just choose to look at every
2: man that whether they want to walk in here to argue with me, or prove that God does not exist, or they walk in here just not knowing who and what to believe. I just, I want to have the eyes, and I need to have the eyes to look at them through the blood of Jesus because he died for me too, and I can only give them what Jesus has given me, you know? And he demands uh, compassion, you know, not sacrifice anymore.
1: Amen. I can attest to that as well. Man, that's such an awesome explanation. And thank you for sharing those testimonies uh, that you share. And I know uh, you shared with me many more that you've seen. And it's totally amazing uh, what God's done with you and how He's using you uh, down there and really around all of South Georgia. Um, is there a, uh, what, what's your opinion on uh, the importance? Uh, do you think the discipleship has been put on the back burner? Uh, overall, uh, and I'm not trying to bang on the church or anything like that, but do you feel like the church has gotten so big, our congregations have gotten so big uh, in our church that that one-on-one discipleship, that one-on-one face-to-face, if you will, has kind of been put on the back burner and the importance of meeting uh, one-on-one or in small groups, if you will? Great question, great question. Early on in, in discipleship,
2: when I started getting my first pastor's, uh, Discipline them one on one. They became uh, there was a constant pattern or a constant word that would be used when they would start being discipled, and they would get excited, and, and of course they would want to carry it back through their church. But they would attach the word program, discipleship program, and, uh, and I would gently admonish them and explain to them that you know this this is not a program. You know nothing against the church, but again the church can only carry us as far as it's willing to go. And the intimacy that's found in one-on-one discipleship, it can happen in the setting of a church, but it cannot be turned into a program. And what I mean by that is, you know, one-on-one discipleship, when I start in First John and I start asking this man, what is he here? Or I ask him, what does this word look like? Man, I have had men at the very beginning confess, confess things that, I'm the only one in their life that knows about it, you know. So it's hard for a to do discipleship in or start discipleship off in a group setting because well to be honest, there's not a man gonna stand up and raise his hand and go, Hey, I'm addicted to pornography. He's just not gonna uncover himself like that. So what we do with our churches and when the pastor really, really, really wants to bring one on one discipleship into his church. I strongly encourage my pastor to let me start with his leadership one on one. Let me disciple the leadership of that church first, one on one, carry them through the pattern, and then it's their responsibility. You know, it's their responsibility to carry it back inside. But I try to strongly encourage them not to turn it into a program, not to start off, you know, with a group, but to start off with that intimacy of one on one just reproduce what was produced in them, how me and that pastor started, and some of the most amazing transformations of congregations I have ever seen is when that pastor has followed you know, discipleship and its pattern to that to that model when they carry it back inside, the pastor may start with his elders one on one or his deacons, you know, somebody one on one inside of his church. And We don't have to make it happen. The Spirit, it just, it orchestrates. We just let the Spirit orchestrate, and it just, it does what it does. And that's why I try to remind my pastors more than anything is, you know, me starting off in one-on-one discipleship, like I explained earlier, I was a graduate from seminary with a master's degree. But if you were to ask me Chad, to describe to you discipleship, I couldn't. I knew the Word. But I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how Jesus himself made disciples. I could read to you, you know, Jesus had disciples, but as far as the intimacy on how he discipled his own disciples, I didn't know what that looked like until it happened to me. And that's the hardest I have seen for a pastor is, and I have a lot of compassion for my pastors, but we're so committee-oriented, we're so program-oriented, you know, inside the church. And my grandfather used to say all the time, you know, you can, have the, you can have the right yo-yo, but have the wrong string. And a lot of times they don't, it's just all they know how to do, and that's the only way they know how to do it. So it gives me an opportunity with my pastors one-on-one if, if they want to carry it back inside their congregation and to their congregation, not to change the way he was disciple, but just reproduce it the same in the same manner, in the same way. And the ones that have done it, To hear those pastors' testimony of the transformation from within the four walls of the congregation has just been amazing. But the ones, to be honest, who have carried it back to try to turn it into a program, it didn't last long. It just didn't last long.
1: That is so awesome uh, that you mentioned the word program because that's, that, uh, that's the perfect word, uh, I believe, for the church. And again, not to criticize any church right. or any pastor whatsoever, but when you first told me of uh, this when I was visiting you uh, down in South Georgia one time, that you were. Ah, uh, discipling pastors—it just really blew me away. You know, yeah. not, not for any reason, but you, you know, the average person would think, "Hey, you know, these guys go to seminary school. You know, they're taught, they're they know the word, etc." But you mentioned key words. It's a program. It's not intimacy uh, with with the Holy Spirit or with the with the, with Yeshua. Uh, it's not int- intimacy with that, and it just really opened my mind to understand uh, more. Just with our conversation. Uh, that we have, that you know, that we can have all the knowledge, but we've got to have intimacy uh, with with the Holy Spirit. We've got allow him to, read, uh, to show us in the Scriptures, First John, Peter, all these Scriptures that you're mentioning. And I was just really blown away when you told me that. Uh, how did you get involved with pastors? I know you're kind of on a referral. Uh, in correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of a referral, word by mouth, if you will. Uh, with each person, but uh, how did you get involved with the pastors um, how open have they been you? You hit on it a little before the ones who accepted uh, this have seen great results who haven't they have not uh, so to speak But uh, if you could go into more about that how you got involved with the pastors uh, their overall understanding of it And how they've implemented it in their church if you could elaborate on that. That would be fantastic
2: Yes, sir. awesome we are very close to Moody Air Force Base and the first time I was was had the awesome blessing to fall in love with the Soplin Pastors and uh, was there at Moody Air Force Base. The chaplain at the time uh, had called here to fishermen, and he had a need, and his need was, and in his words, he goes, we got these 18- and 19-year-old boys coming back, you know, from overseas, and all they had been trained to do was to kill and go to war. That's all they knew. And it was at the time where, you know, a lot of them were coming back that had experienced You know things, Chad. Me and you probably cannot even fathom. You know what they had to experience over there, and and the pastor. You know he was just he was overwhelmed with it. The chaplain out there, he was just overwhelmed. You know he called and he just he he knew there was a need. Um, He had heard of one-on-one discipleship, and then he himself came and started being discipled, and just like with me, it did for him, you know, after a couple of weeks, you know, his thought was if this is doing this for me after only being discipled for a couple of weeks. And Chad, we only meet for one hour a week with our disciples and through these four little books we go through, we can spend eight months to a year discipling these men. And he, God gave him the revelation, you know, to invite one of us out and get us on base to the chapel And just to start meeting with some of these airmen to really help him tote the load, to be honest. You know, he was just overwhelmed. And what I didn't realize, being a civilian, if you will, is that uh, at the time, the, the chapel at Moody, they basically had a chaplain for every, you know, denomination that exists. So they were, the whole chapel was just full of all these different chaplains of different denominations. So, of course, you know, they asked who I was and why I was out there. And once they heard it, it was the most amazing thing. They wanted to be discipled. I mean, as soon as I explained discipleship, they wanted it. And to watch and hear, you know, the mindset of these pastors that they they don't have anybody. I'm kind of that X factor, if you will, where they know that I got one rule in discipleship, what we talk about in discipleship stays in discipleship we don't uncover each other and i just developed a heart that's really for me when it started with my pastors with that moody is just a heart for these men because the majority of them that i was discipling in the beginning they were so alone they just felt like they were on an island by themselves and they just needed somebody they could get real with and of course you know you know being on base and being on a in the military you know they're constantly having to pay attention about being politically correct, you know, being right. So it was a breath of fresh air, and it was a an awakening for these men that they could just have an hour a week where they can meet with me and just get real and just be real. And that's when it hit me, Lord, send me more pastors. This is a structured environment i i'm in at the chapel at moody air force base very structured but lord i know there's, there's there's pastors out there who you have called who you have gifted to be pastors but now this gift has become a job to them and they're so miserable and before i knew it i had a i had a pastor call me and he had been in the ministry for over 40 years <laughs> you know and uh Many of them started meeting, and the Holy Spirit just, as I said before, he just started orchestrating. And before I knew it, you know, word spread, and I just started picking up more and more pastors. And the more pastors I got, I just developed a just a special place for them, because a lot of them, you know, they are alone. They just they they don't have anybody that they can just get real with, and just so they can take a just a deep breath, and that's what I love about our disciple houses. Because here in Vidor, if you were to ride by our disciple house, you would, you just would never realize that what was going on inside this old house. We don't advertise. It's just an old-looking house that sits on the road, but it's a neutral place where everybody is welcomed, everybody, and it's just a place where you can come and get real, and get refreshed, and get anointed with the Holy Spirit and Man, it just becomes a need for you. And with these pastors, that's the first thing I saw. Chad was it became discipleship became such a need
1: for them. It was amazing. Friends, we're here with Riley Overy, a good friend of mine from South Georgia, speaking on the importance of discipleship, really the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and also in Mark 16. Uh, Riley, if you could. Uh, give the listeners, whoever they are, uh, whether they're an unbeliever, a believer, a pastor, whoever they may be, what would be the overall message to them uh, at this hour, at the times we're living in now? Uh, What would be your overall message uh, to them on discipleship?
2: Great question. I can only testify, Chad, to what I've seen and heard in one-on-one discipleship across the board, if you will, and right now I have 36 men that I meet with. Uh, one-on-one per week and I have what we call tables and these are men who have been discipled and now we meet at a table and we just continue on with discipleship through whatever book they want to go through and the need that I'm seeing or the hunger that I am seeing more than anything is how the Hebrew reads the Great Commission, you know, the reality, the reality of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The realness is the the need that I'm hearing and seeing more than anything. And across the board with every denominational disciple, if you will, that I have, that has been the common denominator that these men are just hungry for is getting more and more of the reality of every day, the reality of God every day in their life, and, and no, I mean, no disrespect to any church by saying this, but these men, there's a, a, a seeking that I'm hearing going on or that I'm seeing going on, and it's a seeking that they need more of the reality of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit than just one day a week on Sunday. That these, we are living in times where the need is for them to see the reality of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit every day. Every day. And that's the common denominator that I'm seeing and hearing in discipleship right now. And that's from, you know, from the least of these to, you know, men who carry
1: around, with, you know, who have titles, if you will. I think it's such a great uh, topic to discuss because uh, you're exactly right. We're living in uh, some interesting times, I think very prophetic times, as you know. And I believe discipleship needs to be on the forefront because, like you mentioned before, the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish but to everyone have everlasting life. I mean, anybody to perish. And I think it's such a great topic to discuss because discipleship, as we've mentioned before, my opinion, has been put on the back burner, if you will. Uh, You don't hear about it much. In fact, um, I didn't hear about it much until you until uh, you and I connected, uh, reconnected about four or five years ago, and uh, you were explaining it to me, and I just thought it was just awesome at what you were doing and what others are doing that you know that does discipleship. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, as far as women are concerned, you mentioned you disciple men. Uh, what yes, if, um, if we have any women listeners out there, what would you uh, suggest to them, advise them as far as discipleship? We have
2: women who disciple women one-on-one
1: uh, that – have
2: that are reproducing as we speak, and it's the same pattern. Um, it's amazing, to be honest. The man, brother, the women—they are the life givers. They just get it. You sit down because I, I, I will. Every now and then, I'll ask my wife if I can just sit in one of her discipleship sessions if her disciple don't mind, and I just want to listen and just glean, you know, glean wisdom. And it's amazing, you know, uh, how much faster and the not really a difference, but the added wisdom that the Spirit gives the women that I don't get to see in my men, which is a blessing for me because it it's only making me a better, a better discipler. And just like the men, the women follow the same pattern. They meet the same way. Oh, they reproduce in the same manner. Nothing changes. Oh, this is the vision that was given to us here at Fisherman and that vision has not changed and we just simply walk out that vision with the males and with the females. And uh, we, I get the blessing every now and then Chad because me discipling the men, is very rare. I get to meet their wives, it's just the way it is because we only meet one hour a week and, and, and it's okay. But every now and then I'll get the blessing to be able to sit down with a wife that's being discipled at the same time That the husband is and one of the most amazing transformations I have witnessed when the wife and the husband both are being or have been discipled is how they will bring God's Word into agreement inside the home and to hear those testimonies it has been some of the most powerful testimonies ever when the husband and wife bring God's Word into agreement
1: inside their home that is fantastic, uh, and it makes sense, you know, that uh, the women can be more open with women, the men can be more right. open uh, with men, and and as you know, uh, in the Holy Bible, the Lord has spoken to women all throughout, you know, with Sarah, Amen. you know, with Rebecca, you know, that, that God, lo- God uses our women, and, and it is time for our women to uh, step into their prophetic calling of discipleship or whatever it may be, so that's uh, great to hear. I just wanted to make sure, you know, to hit on that in case Uh, We have any women listeners that are interested in discipleship. Uh, Let me ask you, is there a way or uh, an email that if someone has any questions about discipleship or uh, maybe whatever it may be that they can uh, contact you through email or whatever way that you would prefer? Uh, Yes. Uh, My email is
2: Berry, it's O-B-E-R-Y-J-R at hotmail.com. Or they can go and look up, you know, Fisherman of Valdosta. Our website, if you just type in the search of in, uh, fishermen about Austin, we have a website that has all of our information on there. And I do believe uh, the pattern is actually on there with a lot more information than probably what I have been able to give you. And, uh, or they can, you know, I have no problem giving out my phone number. <laughs> However, they, you know, they, they want to get a hold of me. Uh, this is what I've been commanded to do. This is, to be honest, this is all I know to do now until, you know, my work is done here on earth. I will make disciples.
1: <laughs> Amen. Uh, and last, uh, before we close, uh, one more question for you. Uh, what What do you feel, uh, what do you see about discipleship as we go forward uh, into these uh, last days, if you will? Uh, how do you see uh, discipleship evolving or coming to the front? Uh, we've talked about it, been on the back burner for so long. Do you see it coming to the forefront as we move forward that everybody uh, that, you know, loves the Lord are trying to do their part, uh, trying to do the Great Commission? Do you feel like that's coming back uh, to the forefront uh, from what you're seeing?
2: I do. I do. And what I see more than anything is, you know, discipleship in the, in the days we're living in, how discipleship has opened the door for us to go back to the Old Testament and to see it clearly. And to see it clearly, and to see the reality of even you know, we know God the Father is in the Old Testament, but I you know watching these disciples grasp and see the reality of God the Son and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament has been one of the most amazing, amazing things. And it's because of the times we're living in, and the questions that I'm getting in discipleship, you know, based off the Hebrew mindset, if you will, in the Old Testament, and what I mean by that is, you know, sentence structure is the Western noun first, and our sentence. there's nothing wrong with it, but with Hebrew, it's the verb. So it's watching my disciples ask questions that the answer involves God's reality and his action, and them starting to see from the very beginning how insufficient man was then and how insufficient man is now. And how God had ordained the plan for him to come himself and send his son to be our sufficiency. And now they can see it clearly in the Old Testament. So in the times that are going on, you know, we have men and I have men who on their own, this is what has been so awesome to me, is on their own, they're looking for a pattern in the Old Testament of, you know, this has happened before. They're looking for the evidence of God's reality, and I love that because that's how it's been put to me over and over. And to meet with men who just simply don't want to study the Old Testament because they think it's too hard or it's not for them or they don't understand it, to watch them through one-on-one discipleship get a fresh revelation of the Old Testament and to watch how both testaments are in agreement to God's reality, to the Son's reality, to the Spirit's reality, man, that has been so awesome in regards to the times we live in right now and them seeking, you know, just like Scripture says of the prophets of old, that they search the Scriptures deliberately, deliberately looking for the times,
1: you know, and I'm Amen seeing that. Amen to that. that. Uh, we need to all be the sons of Issachar, right? They the times, they knew the seasons, and I know that discipleship has really gained a lot of speed with with me and the people like yourself and others. It's really come to the forefront again, this great commission, and and the process and the pattern that you guys use has always been amazing to me Uh, with the first John Peter. All these scriptures that you mentioned, it's just totally phenomenal uh, what you're doing. You are a fisherman, my friend. Uh, We love what you're doing, and I want you to keep championing this cause. Uh, because you're a great light down there and i know god's going to bless you and your wife tremendously uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join us today to give your wisdom uh, to the people uh, feel free to reach out to riley or reach out to myself and i'll get it to him as well uh, my friend may god bless you and i will be speaking soon my friend thank you so much